and I have a story to include. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. So Are you ready? I'm ready. Just to read the note she put down. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, what is this essay? <laughs> I opened this up and I was like, holy fuck. Listen, it was very exciting. I'm excited. Lots of good shit happened. Yay. Devices on, not sounds. Oh, right. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, and what? Good. Are you ready, Erica? I am. <laughs> I'm super excited. No oh boy. I am. <laughs> oh God. Can I see this? <gasps> yes. <sighs> Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. You guys, I'm so glad the band's back together. I'm super excited. We say this too often. (laughs) Have less exciting and busy lives, people. I mean, uh, last week Erica had the flu. <laughs> I don't I, know that that's exciting. I don't yeah. know what how she got the flu. Could have been a really fun story. No, building snow forts <laughs> no. in the middle of the night. No, no. <laughs> I wish it were that fun. <laughs> I think my body was just really run down at that time, and I was susceptible to anything. Yeah, mm, that's fair, understandable. Um, I was back in Vancouver uh, for work, so that's why I was out of commission. But uh, I'm back. And um, you guys, I have a story. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do it. So I went for dinner with my parents. And, you know, as a woman, you just know when, like, guys are just going to be those guys. Sure. So. Like dicks? Like creeps? Yeah. So we got to this restaurant. and We go to sit down. And it's just me and my parents. My brother wasn't there. And these guys are have their bread and their wine on our table. And they're kind of loud. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. And okay. I just know. I know that these are going to be guys who talk to us. Uh, yeah. Oh, those guys. I just know. Oh. So we sit down. We're minding our own business. And the guy's like, oh, haha, we're the worst. We've got our stuff all over. Da, 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 da. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. Like, giving him, like, nothing. And... You bitch. I was mm, mm -hmm. just being like mildly polite, like the least amount of polite I can possibly be without being outwardly a bitch. I can see this face in my head right now. (laughs) And um, I just want you to know that people sometimes can see through that. (laughs) (laughs) That was the point. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is hilarious. And uh, he's like, oh, well, these are your parents pointing to them and i'm like yep and he's like oh um no. well that's great that they're digging you out for dinner da, 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 da. i'm like oh he's like what's is there a special occasion i'm like he's like i'm like no not really he's like what are you like 22 and i was like Oof. yes actually and i turned and looked right at him. i'm like yes i'm 22 and i go to queen's university in ontario and i'm visiting my parents so they're taking me out for dinner which is a complete and utter lie not only am i not 22 <laughs> i also didn't go to queen's <laughs> Um, and he was like, oh, well, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, they're just wonderful people. Are they just sitting there? Yeah, my mom's <laughs> trying not to laugh. My dad, they're just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, just like spouting off lies because like, that's what you do. Anyway, and he turns, we're, you know, looking at the menu. He's talking to his dinner guest, which is another, a younger guy. And this guy's probably in his fifties. 
and I turns to my dad and he's like, "Are you Chinese?" Oh boy. And I, as soon as he said it, I just like hung my head. I was like, oh no. Wait it's, a minute. In Vancouver. This is in Vancouver. This I bet you they're Americans. They're no. white. No. You don't think so? No. Americans love to chat up strangers. I know. That's what made me That's think what of I that. like. What's they what do. I like about America? It's true. That's really why good. I like, I can, I feel okay going to a bar by myself in America because like, right. you always end up with a weird story. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think people are very, are usually more or less well meaning. It's just like so culturally different that I'm yes. always a little bit and you, when it first happens. Sure. And yeah. like, you know that you, they'll talk to you and just be like, okay, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, not yeah. try to pick you up or yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 This is what I like about America actually is that people talk to you. Yes. Uh, so, and we're trying to order food. And this guy's like, oh, are you Chinese? My dad's like, yeah. Oh, God. He's like, oh, cool. Do you speak Cantonese? Do you speak Mandarin? Why oh, the no. The white and guy I... just got educated a little bit and wants to show off his knowledge. <laughs> oh. And I was like, are you? Oh, fuck. And I'm just like hanging my head just like in utter embarrassment for everyone in this situation. My dad's like, uh, no, not really. I'm like, well, your family's Cantonese. He's like, sure. I'm like, you can speak a little, like, marginal. Oh, and here where it goes and, to, uh, I know shit. Oh, God. Oh. See? Exactly. This is exactly where it went. The guy's uh, like, oh. He's like, I can speak Cantonese. And I'm like, no, oh, no, oh abort, abort. And my dad's like, great. Good for you. He's like, but I can only speak the the bad words. I know how to say all the oh, bad no, words. Oh, no, no. This is my least favorite. People always I'm love cringing. to do this. I'm cringing. Right? It's cringy. It's cringy. <laughs> yes. It's, it's always like, I have a friend. Yeah, he told me all the uh, yeah. swear words. You yeah. want to hear him? I'm like, no, like don't swear at me in my like native tongue. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, then he starts swearing. And I was no, like, no, no. And I like turned to him. I was like, what the fuck is going on? My dad's like, great. <laughs> awesome great and then he's like cool well um enjoy your meal um i yeah and just like turns back and just, like doesn't really talk to us for the rest of our meal thank fuck yes yeah, seriously but like what would he have done if i was like can you just please sit the fuck down and like chill out because again the onus was on the people of color to like be polite and like yeah, and pacify let this the fucking white dude be racist as fuck yeah yeah. It was completely inappropriate, and if you do that at a restaurant, don't ever fucking do it. Don't like it's not a good idea these, in any situation. People do this in meetings too. People yeah. do it in like everywhere. The uh... like okay, so um, I feel like job interview. It's not yeah, cute. It's not, and like there's like a social awkwardness in this country <laughs> where I swear people are like, oh, if I could be, if I could be like. Let me just tell them what I know about them. Mm. And it's like, you're from, where are you from? And it always starts with that. And I'm just like, oh. let me tell you, you don't know where I'm You don't from. know shit. You don't know shit about me. Also, like, even if they do, like, let's say, I, like, I also really hate the people who are like, I've lived in the country that you're from. Oh, my gosh. And, I, the and I know <gasps> it almost better than you do. Oh I think that's gosh, even more yes, cringeworthy. Yes. But yes. they, 
even if they know what they're talking about, like it's still a my it's at the very least still a microaggression. Like, why do I have to one endure this and two, like my back is always up for racism. Like I you know you're always vigilant. So the moment this conversation starts, it's not gonna be pleasant. So don't put someone through that. And it maybe get to know them and then and then when you do, you can be like, Oh, by the way, here's a shared interest that I have, like this is where I've been maybe yeah but like, you know like to greet strangers that way it's just so i had a mixed, woman ugh. i had a woman we were talking about there was this discussion about i think it was on facebook there was a discussion about um caribbean food and vegetarianism mm. right okay like historically we're just not vegetarians sure so um so we're just talking <coughs> excuse me and this mm. one, I, you know, we were talking about roti. And I was like, well, we can eat roti, right? And this woman comes in and she's like, well, how would you make it vegetarian? And I was just like, put vegetables in it. Because it is. Potatoes are in there. People add, And she's yeah. like, she's like, yeah, but it's usually filled. Because she went to one yeah, fucking yeah, 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 restaurant. Yeah. She's like, well, it's usually filled with curry or beef or stuff like that. I'm like, that, it's a the shell. I'm like, the roti is the shell. And then there's a filling, you know, like everything else, every other like yeah, exactly. ethnicity has that food. But also literally anything that's in anything else. You can put fucking chocolate in yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put cream cheese in something. Exactly. And I was just like, because I was like, I kind of drew, drew it out because I knew where she was and I knew what she was trying to do. So I drew yeah. it out just to make her look even more foolish. So it was kind of like entertaining for me. And so... <laughs> As soon as I said that, silence. (laughs) (laughs) I had fun. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, I felt that I needed to share that story. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's get into it. Um, I feel we just did a public service. We just did a public service. That's what we're here for. Yes. Uh, This week in feminism, uh, women kicked ass in the U.S. midterm elections. I feel like that's an understatement for how amazing it all was. Like it damn. was pretty fucking amazing and it still could be amazing because there's some recounts going on. <laughs> yeah. So not only did the Democrats take back the House of Representatives, we also a number of saw a number of historic first take place, possibly leading to the most diverse Congress ever. I don't know that I've seen that as like an actual statistic, but I it, I feel it deep in my soul. I'd be really shocked if it was. <laughs> I'm um I'm a little jealous, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ballots are still being counted, as Erica mentioned, in some key races uh, for an Arizona Senate seat uh, with Kirsten Cinema and Martha McSally, who's the absolute fucking worst. Mm. Um, there's a Florida Senate seat with uh, Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. Uh, the Florida Florida governorship um, with Andrew Gillum and Ron DeSantis, who is also a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Please refer to our previous misogynist. <laughs> Um, uh, the Georgia governor's race uh, with Stacey Abrams and Kemp, who is like like the actual the worst. actual like king piece of shit, the living embodiment of everything that's wrong with American electoral politics. Yes, uh, so we won't know the uh, final results for at least another week or two, which blows my mind. Like, well, I'm glad people are insisting on their recounts. No, I, I know, but glad even, we all learned from the uh, Al but Gore even the saga. ones that like aren't 
being recounted they still don't know the results oh yeah well that that is actually quite comical yeah and then uh, i just love how all the fox news folks are freaking out they're like where are these ballots coming from the mail the mail like because this these is- ballots are falling from the sky how could they possibly be i don't understand like this is a complete unrelated to what we're going to talk about but like having in mail ballots that you can mail on the day of the election makes no well it's because they assume the margins won't be so close that they won't have to rely on yeah on actually counting them and yet here we are sure and that's fine and they will get counted like i think everyone just needs to slow down like the idea of like instant results is such (gasps) bullshit and they actually used to be more common that you would wait a few days to get full results like yeah it's not those it's not like the machines have also been super reliable either so but it just True. goes to show every vote fucking counts mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. yeah especially in the florida um and georgia governor elections yeah yeah so uh let's just go through some historic firsts there are a lot of them so rashida talib in michigan and Ilhan Omar in Minnesota were the first Muslim woman, women elected to Congress. Deb Haaland in New Mexico and Sharice Davids in Kansas were the first Native woman elected to Congress. And uh, Davids is also the first queer Native American woman elected to Congress. Yep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York and Abby Finkenauer in Iowa were the youngest women ever elected to Congress, both of them under 30 real feeling really bad for myself <laughs> i feel really unaccomplished right <laughs> now like, someone tweeted that actually uh alexandria casio cortez Cortez, and she replied being like look like a year ago i was yeah, bartending it's and true I, like hadn't i mostly just volunteered on campaign yeah. like i hadn't done anything and here i am so you guys have time sure <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna be under 30 i'm never gonna be 28 again but no. you know Sure, uh, it can be <laughs> super impressive overnight. Um, Ayanna Presley, uh, has you're already there, Aaron. Ting. Ayanna <laughs> <laughs> uh, Presley uh, has become Massachusetts' first Black Congresswoman. Lou Leon Guerrero is the first woman governor of Guam, which hmm. is kind of cool. Um, Angie Craig in Minnesota is the first openly lesbian mother in Congress. Um, Johanna Hayes is Connecticut's first Black Congresswoman. Young Kim uh, is the first Korean-American woman elected to Congress. Uh, she is a Republican, and there were some weird things about how yesterday on Twitter about how the liberals aren't talking about how Young Kim is the first Asian-American woman elected to Congress ever because she's a Republican. Well, that's factually inaccurate. Yeah, she's the first She's Korean. the first Korean-American woman. Which is still really impressive. Still really impressive, absolutely. Um... She also doesn't like Trump, so that also is, you know, works in her favor. <laughs> um, Janet Mills is Maine's first woman governor. Shit. Um, Maine, that's kind of surprising. Get together, Maine. Yeah. Um, the first openly intersex elected official ever is the new mayor of Flemington, New Jersey, Betsy Davis. Wow. Um, the first two Latina congresswomen for Texas uh, were elected, Sylvia Garcia and Veronica Escobar. And this is despite... Um, Texas being 40% Latinx. Um, Pennsylvania went from having zero women in Congress to having four women in Congress. The first openly queer woman was elected to state office in Florida, and that's Jennifer Webb. Um, Jared Polis is was elected Colorado's first openly gay mayor and the f- gay governor, sorry, and the first openly gay governor in the U.S. Um, oh, wow. Yep. Also in Kansas, Kansas is really pulling it out here. 
Um, <laughs> Kansas two, rejected all the voter suppression yeah. shit, I guess. Uh, two other queer people were, were elected <clears throat> to the state legislature, Susan Ruiz and Brandon Woodward. Uh, Nebraska elected an openly bisexual state senator, Megan Hunt, in a district that had never previously elected an LGBTQ plus candidate. Uh, Key West, Florida, mm-hmm. elected its first lesbian mayor in Terry Johnston. Indiana elected its first openly gay state senator in J.D. Ford. Uh, Texas will see a new lesbian state representative in Julie Johnson. Kate Brown is the first bisexual governor in U.S. history, was re-elected in Oregon. So lots of really cool shit. Wow. Wow. I'm like, uh, this is an impressive list. Wow. I am jealous. <laughs> I'm I'm seriously jealous. I'm I'm looking over at like envy right now. Well, you know, even in our most recent election in Ottawa, you know, a lot of women were running and a lot of m- more women were elected to city council, not enough, but more than we previously had. And I was listening to a podcast this morning and they said when women run, women win. Mm. And we saw that in the U.S. midterms, we saw some of that in our municipal election in Ottawa. We saw some of that in Vancouver. I mean, they're all white, but, you know, it's a lot of women voted to their city council. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women need to kind of get over this this doubt and these fears that they have because they are electable. I, not, not that I want to talk about electability. Yeah, yeah. But they I, are winning. Yes, yes. I, I would say women... Um, yeah, women get shit done, first of all. And second of all, women, like, have you, like, I, I just want women to think about all the guys they work with. And I want them to be like, you know that dude's a jackass. And, like, you know most of them are idiots. You know most of them are interrupting family dinners and asking, are you Chinese? Yeah. <laughs> Da, da, da. <laughs> okay, those are the fuckers who are running. <laughs> so fucking true. <laughs> it's so true. <sighs> yeah. I'm starting to wonder if there were any firsts left after that list. That was like really impressive. And after you have, we, I know we got an intersex candidate. It's it's so it's so rad, but I also like I think like young Kim aside, like most of these people are running on really strong platforms and are coming from and are like speaking to voices that you know didn't really like have a place and a lot of I don't know how many of these people were aligned with institutional democrat like the institutional democratic party. I really think it's a minority that were and like the rare exception i think a lot of those people's campaigns probably started uh, on the on the outside um so i I don't know yeah i think a lot of them spoke to more local issues but i will say it seems as though a lot of democratic candidates spoke about health care and jobs and were able to kind of keep that message Mm -hmm. pretty focused and i think that Mm -hmm. helped them i think as it as a party overall, the Democrats just focus, m- tried to maintain focus on health care and the fact mm-hmm. that so yep. many Republicans were like, I'm going to take away your health care because I'm an idiot. Yeah, because they think that people won't, you know, like the, the time for the popularity of the repeal of the ACA is over. It's gone. As these things start 
um, really filtering down into people's experiences, it's much, much harder to take it away. Mm-hmm. I was listening to The mm-hmm. Daily this week. I think it was the day after the, the election or the day of, either the Tuesday or the Wednesday. It was really, really good. And it talked about healthcare and how Nancy Pelosi especially was like, okay, healthcare is going to be our issue. We're, we're, we're not going to focus on Trump. No. We know he's a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And we know that the people who are never Trumpers are going to go and vote anyway. Mm-hmm. They're already on sort of our side. They're already going to vote that way. So what about the people more in the middle? What mm-hmm. is that issue? And healthcare was that issue. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is um, um, that they didn't focus on um, diversity in the set. And this is I, I I've seen this many times. The fact that you're black or you're gay or you're bi or you're Native American or you're Korean American or, you know, of, you know, not white and not male. Everybody knows that you're diverse, so to speak. Um, more in, uh, now, I, I also know that, that people of color can perpetuate white supremacy just as much as anybody else. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, and this is what they said, is that you don't have to kind of run on that because you kind of are that already. And so you can get down to the actual heart of the common issue, which was healthcare. And apparently that worked for them. So when it came to the ballot, it wasn't like, hey, you are voting for a diversity ticket. It was more like, hey, you're voting for the person who's going to save your health care. Yeah, so I guess on that note, um, American elections are just overly complex. Um, if you look at the ballots, they've got like a million pages. It's mm-hmm. like a booklet. Mm-hmm. Like, who has time to do that? No wonder like people are waiting in line for like hours well there's some other exciting like if you get really down to the micro and like local level like there were counties where there's one county in texas where uh i think 18 or 19 women black women yeah. ran for judge positions and yep. they all won it was like the texas Supreme and tennessee Court or something. too there was a there's a part in te- place in tennessee where um they like a bunch of black women ran for like you know sort of um I don't want to call it like less glamorous positions yeah. like, for example, D.A. and 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 whatever else that mm-hmm. they because they vote for everybody yeah, yeah. and they won. And I was just like, oh, it's the quiet revolution. Mm. I like it. Yeah. So they also basically kind of have referendums or ballot measures on uh, in these elections. And so a few of those. Um, several states voted to expand Medicaid access. Um, Louisiana voters approved a constitutional amendment that requires unanimous verdicts in felony cases, repealing a Jim Crow era law. Um, Massachusetts voters upheld a transgender rights law that allows people to use the public restroom of their the gender they identify with. Florida voted to re-enfranchise nearly 1.4 million ex-felons in the state, giving 40% of black men in the state the right to vote. So fucking wild. Uh, Michigan, yeah, so are they going to be a purple state anymore? Who knows? Mm, 
Um, Michigan voted to legalize cannabis fully, while Utah and Missouri voted to legalize uh, cannabis for medical use. Uh, Nevada passed a ballot initiative that eliminated taxes on feminine hygiene products. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Hey, Canada. Uh, yeah. I love that Michigan now has legal weed because I bet you it's just because they know people are like going to Canada to like. Get- <laughs> oh, for sure. They're like, they're oh, like our tax to- dollars are we're going. We're losing money here. <laughs> yes, we got to get that exactly. in-house. It's going. I yeah. love Michigan. Um, unfortunately, Alabama passed an amendment that will grant full legal rights to fertilized oh, eggs, boy. thereby stripping living, breathing humans to the rights of their own bodies. Mm. Uh, this amendment is so far-reaching that it would allow the state to prosecute women for using IUDs, emergency contraception, and IVF, or even for missing prenatal care appointments or not being able to leave an abusive oh partner. God, Alabama, why do we let you be a state? Meanwhile... Why do you exist? It's like Alabama, Mississippi, around there. Georgia's only passable because of Atlanta. Mm. Like, come on. I mean, it's just... It's like... Meanwhile, West Virginia passed an amendment which states that, quote, nothing in this constitution secures or protects a right to abortion or requires the funding of abortion, end quote. I don't think... West West Virginia and Virginia are completely different places. That West really matters. Oh, yeah. Um, The good news, though, is that these amendments are virtually meaningless right now since Roe and V. Wade is still the law of the land. But uh, should that be overturned, um, Mm. then these laws would immediately be applicable. And, uh, oh, just a quick note. West Virginia is among one of the states with the highest rate of child poverty. So that's cool. No abortions, very high child poverty. Huh. Wonder how that happens. <laughs> anyway, um, Erica <laughs> was getting to a point kind of earlier. Um, you know, so we're seeing a lot of red and purple states start to vote in favor of more liberal policies, yet continue to elect Republicans to office who more or less are against these policies. Uh, so what do you think is the explanation for this? And how can we start to reconcile the policies with the politicians who support them? Okay, so um, okay, the policies and the politicians seem to be separating or separate. Um, it also used to be a time where people used to vote for the candidate that that really represented their state, their riding—not riding, but their district. Mm-hmm. And um, I got this from The Daily, by the way. <laughs> the Daily was killing it this you? week. Was really good this week. <laughs> What's going on? I'm like, I'm available. Um- <laughs> sure. Okay. Wow. Ouch. Get For on. a guest. Okay. Not as like. Hey, Fred Burner. <laughs> Call no. us up. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, um. On the real though, um, like I think that uh, what they were, what what it was saying was that it's yes, it's become very tribal, but a lot of the local representatives have become um, like a lot of people see them as more of a countrywide sort of of cultural. Um, I don't want to say war, but 
a cultural kind of like conflict. So instead of voting for people that you're like, oh, he'll bring us clean water or she'll bring us clean water or they'll bring us clean water, it's more like, well, it's more feeding into the larger national um, kind of culture identity. That's what they said. I don't know how true this is, but it makes sense to me. So in other words, like the policies have become separate from a larger sort of cultural identity issue. I mean, that might be true for some people. I don't know if that answers the question of why people vote for one for a party for as a representative and then for individualized referendum questions differently. And I think that or, you know, I think those ballot measures you know, they have their own set of campaigns and think there's also probably a lower rate of participation potentially in some of them, maybe higher rates where there are better campaigns. And I think when you put clear policy proposals like that to people, you may have yeah. a better shot of convincing them. Whereas like when people vote for a congressional rep, they're voting for sometimes they're voting for the individual. And I think that's why we saw and this is sort of the point I wanted to make earlier is like when reps are closer to the policies that they espouse, like in their own personal life and their upbringing like I think now we're seeing people trust that more and that's at least for Democrats that's true like I mm. think Democratic voters are want now more and more to see and certainly young voters want to see politicians who like walk the talk and are coming from the places they're speaking to so you know like that's why when you have someone who is like I can't afford rent in DC like you know people who voted for that person are like yeah respect because you understand when you talk about housing like you were living housing like crises you know mm -hmm. like that sort of thing whereas i think for people who vote republican they they still like there is a structural like leaning towards the what the republican party stands for which is you know as an as an as a creature as an institution but I, there's still some democrats who vote that way i just think it's more but this is the thing the is right. that the difference between the republicans and the democrats right now is that the republican institution has taken on their sort of far right identity sure, sure. whereas the democratic institution has not for the most part mm. taken on their far left yeah i think identity. well that's what i mean i think democrats are voting in spite of the party and i think like republicans regardless of who they are even even republicans who aren't trump brand republicans who do see their party has moved a certain way have always been like are more likely to stay republican because they like their values will always be better in a right-wing vehicle like if you believe in tax cuts and you're a wealthy person or you're an old stock mm -hmm. like you know whatever yeah, yeah, white yeah. person you will only you will almost only ever be swayed with by the republican party as like an institution Sure. that you can trust will ultimately still have your back, even if you don't agree with the things Trump is saying on right. a day-to-day right. -day basis. Right. Yeah, right. I, and I do wonder if there's a degree on, in which, like, the policy proposals and the um, the ballot measures are just so clear-cut, where it's like, do you want to legalize weed, yes or no? Do you want to have, uh, I don't know, what was the one in California? It was like, rent control, yes or no. Do you want to allow corporations to pay higher taxes in San Francisco to help reduce homelessness? Yes or no. 
and so it's very like clear. Also, some cut. of these ballot measures, <laughs> the examples that you gave, are already things that people in that st- like in those specific sure. regions probably were already predisposed to being in favor of. And then it's also about organizing, like the sure. campaign in Florida, which was like actually probably the tough around. I'm like very fe- surprised like, fe- that like passed. I hate the, what's the proper term? Former people with former convictions. Yeah. Um, Ex-felons. I, I don't. I yeah. Know. So that's why I'm trying not to use that. Disenfranchised. But, but yeah. So, you know, I think that campaign is so like, I think we need to study exactly what they did to canvas people on that question. Because that is huge. It yeah. is. It's enormous. I think there was a lot of like activism, but also they had a lot of prominent people behind it. Mm-hmm. So and they had, started really early. Yeah. You had John Legend. Yeah. You had Duray McKesson. You had Brittany Packnett. You had all of like... Yeah. Yeah. I think the fact that they started really early matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would like to say, this is where I'd like to just break and just say for anybody who's running, um, you can't start like six weeks before. The time is now. The time is now. If you're, and, and not for federal either. Like that, I'm kind it's of It's too like, late for that. It's too late. Like if you're an unknown, if you want to run, Please start two years before at, at the, very, at the least. very least because you have to build up that coalition. You have to go to the community centers. You have to go to the organizations. You have to go to all those homes. Please start early. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't happen overnight. No. Um, so um, everyone's favorite bro, Bernie Jesus. Sanders. Oh, God. Said that... Um, <laughs> You know, in his infinite wisdom, in his ripe old young age of, what, 82, said that it seems that people didn't want to vote for politicians and candidates like Andrew Gillum and Stacey Abrams because people are just kind of uncomfortable voting for black people. We just had a list, motherfucker. Um, We just went through a list. Do do you have any thoughts? Clearly... I, I think I just so said the way I think I the way he actually it. said it was like it's not right ra- like it's it's not racist it's but not racist to not vote for someone who is black I think people are just uncomfortable voting for the first time for someone who is black first of all these people probably bo- vote had voted for a black person already if you voted for Barack yeah. fucking Obama so like he great revisionist is, history Bernie like, Sanders like that's what I was wondering how did he like did know. he just miss fucking eight Years? And like some people are Obama Trumpers, apparently we've been told. So they they were clearly in play. So that's I don't think that like. <sighs> and we're talking also like this the margins are so close in both of these races that it has nothing to do. If you're paying attention and if you're Bernie Sanders and you got fucking ripped off at the DNC because people like. rewrote history and gave their votes you know to hillary clinton in the primary you would think you would be more upset about voter suppression which it really is the key contention to the the abrams like issue and instead of making it about that he's like people don't feel people were actually prevented from voting in a lot of cases you had like very clear instance of an instant of corruption to the point that like the current government like you know secretary of state or whatever his position was can had to be sued to step aside from running the elections right up until the point uh, yeah. that they happened yeah an election with his name on the ballot and for he governor only resigned as secretary of state like two days ago yeah it's yeah. wild and then bernie's like, oh. i would like to know why bernie sanders has not used 
his platform to really talk about this voter suppression issue. Listen, Bernie Sanders is absolutely fucking useless and 100% should not run for president. And if you support uh, Bernie Sanders for president, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and our listeners just went. <laughs> no, no. The ticket is Harris Beto. The ticket is Harris Beto. That's the ticket. I know. I, 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 I did go through your Twitter and I. <laughs> That's the ticket. I, I'm just like. <laughs> it's a little West, but you know, it's a, that's a ticket. It's not Kirsten Gillibrand. No, no. I mean, she's fine. No, it's no. I wouldn't hate Elizabeth Warren, but. Eh. 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 I feel she's like she's better exciting. as a, as a Senator. I feel like her and policy yes. are together are one. Yeah. And when you're running for president, policy only goes so far, right? Like you have to be. I mean, she could have a sexy cabinet appointment, you know. Oh yeah, she's. Yes. Uh, she what was she was doing the finance? The, the she economy. Was, she can do all that. She thing. had yeah. a little, the little um, oversight banking thing. Sure. The consumer advocacy yeah. is her thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, and it goes back to like this is bullshit, and I it goes back to what I was saying earlier about about people voting for people on issues that connect with them. At the end of the day, yes, you're going to have racists who would never vote for anybody of color. You're going to have people against LGBTQ2 plus people. You know, fuck them. Fuck those people. Who gives a shit about them? Why are you trying to change their minds? Don't change their minds. Well, I think if Bernie's point is that some of these people aren't voting because they're black candidates, it's clearly because they are racist. Yes. Like yeah. That. Yes. And to bring that that they're not racist is utter bullshit. But like also the that's not like definitely that may have accounted for a whole portion of votes. But structural racism is the reason. Yes. The question that these these races went the way they, they did. The thing is, is that, like these people might not like being called racist. And you know what? That's that's fair. You know what? Fine. I'm sure people don't like being called racist. But the fact of the matter is that it's their not unwillingness to vote for a black candidate is built on structural racism. Mm-hmm. And the question they have to ask themselves is why do they feel this way? Mm-hmm. And of course, these people aren't going to like think about that in any no. sort of critical manner. No. They're just going to be like, eh, I'm not going to vote. No, they're going to they're going to get up on Twitter and tell a black woman she's racist because she she managed to say the word white. <laughs> <laughs> they're my favorites mm, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah i mean bernie sanders is out to he's out of touch i've always said this he's when it comes to race he's out of touch that's why alexandria oh, ocasio cortez is the like she is the ne- next leader of that like um democratic, party? Social, yeah. like, democratic socialist because she has the same values as him but she gets the intersection of yeah him. Yeah, yeah. Bernie's time has passed. Bernie's looking like Hillary Clinton right now with his, with, you know, like fingernails just trying to hang on to power. He's he's literally like Garfield hanging on a curtain. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. It's like some Garfield. uh, uh, I don't know why. Like, can Hillary just go away? Can Bernie just go? No. Can Hillary go away? Can Bernie go away? Like, bye. Bye. There are new people here. Bye. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of black people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they're, they're, I'm like, I made this segue earlier in my head and just like didn't change it. 
in this election, we were able to see just how divided a white women and black women are in their politics, mm. or at least in who they're willing to vote for. Um, for example, white women voted 76% in favor of Kemp, 59 in favor of Ted Cruz. Gross. Have you seen his fucking face? Oh uh, 51% in favor of Ron DeSantis. Meanwhile, black women voted 95% for Beto O'Rourke, 97% for Stacey Abrams, and 82% for Andrew Gillum. That's a weirdly low number. That was a weird number. That was yeah. a weirdly low number. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, in some of these races, white women aren't even voting against the interests of black women or trans women or any other type of woman. Uh, in the example of Kemp in Georgia, 76% of white women who voted for Kemp, um, you know, he vows to, quote, outdo Mississippi and sign the nation's harshest anti-choice law. He has denied funding for rape crisis centers, and he wants to slash budgets for women's health and contraception. 76% of white women just voted against women. Like, they just voted against themselves. Um, so these women aren't even voting in favor of their own best interests. So how can we reasonably expect them to vote in support of women of color, trans, queer, and non-binary people? We can't. So we just write them off? I mean, it's pretty... Well, reading the numbers, I was kind of like, well, I wonder what the like class divide mm. is. Because I think if, 70%, if 76% of those white women are like in... But although that's not even true because poor white people still vote against their own interests at the same time. Yeah. I, can't, I, like, I genuinely can't understand it. I, it just boggles it truly boggles the mind but yeah i mean in terms of allyship or support or people voting outside of themselves i think like that's absolutely particularly in a race like in texas with uh beto and ted cruz you know 59 percent of white women for ted cruz like those are two white men Mm-hmm. It's not even like you had a black candidate for yeah, them yeah, to be so racist. It's definitely about policy. Is it definitely yeah something about the discourse or policy interests? I don't know though. It's wild. Um, I can see the looks on your face. So, white women historically have been raised to be taken care of. Okay, and there. There's like this pact between, especially when it comes to the Midwest and the South and so on and so forth, where the, if you think about like the terrain and so on and so forth, that was difficult to, to, <clears throat> to cross. White women have sort of like this historical pact with white men, where white men take care of white women. They protect them economically, physically, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from the outside, the outside being those brown people, um, economic conditions, um, geographic conditions, so on and so forth. That's very much, imp- that's very much like in their heads. That's very much in their culture. That's very much how they've been raised. And I still get people who are like millennials, like white women, who tell me that. They're like, yeah, my that's exactly how I was raised to believe that, you know, um, a man's power is sacrosanct. And so I, I think that a lot of it is cultural and generational. And that's why they keep, that's part of the reason they keep voting the way they do. 
Hmm. And then I think there's like obviously part of it is like religious. Yeah, which but is if like you closely really, tied with those beliefs. Exactly. I was just about to say. Okay, so <laughs> again, I was I was listening to this podcast and it was it was just really good this week. I'm sorry. And um they if you really like they were there was this woman, she was religious, Texan, and she talked about how she was raised and um you know you would go to school this religious school that your daddy told you that you had to go so your daddy imparted your values on you right you just weren't it's not like you were influenced in that way by your mother as much but your father would impart certain values and beliefs on you and send you to these schools that were relig- primary re- primarily religious that would reinforce those values so it's not only the home, it's the school system too. So for example, um, I when I used to live in Texas, I knew people who would go to these schools and some of the shit that they taught them, I was just like, oh my God. Like, what, what year is this, 1950? And so I really do think that that's part of it. It's religious, it's cultural, it's historical. And what we're asking white women to do is um, vote a conscience that they may not even have. That's my point. Okay, so quick follow-up. Is focusing on the fuck-ups of white women ignoring the fact that white men are also fucking up, or should we just not fucking care about them? But are they voting against their interest? No, but they're just, like, continually just... So are they really fucking up? That's the question. It just depends what you think voting is about. I mean, if it is about voting in your own interest, that's one that's one question. True. So it's like I think Eric, the point you're making, Erica. Um, but also like what is your interest is actually the question of what we ask voters. It's yeah. Like, what are your priorities? What do you think the state should be take like making priority of and how should they be voting? For some people, it's their own prote- individual interest. Some people will posit that it's almost only ever should be about you as an individual is the way that you vote. I think that's bullshit. And it's about the kind of world you want to live in. And that may be the best interest of everybody other than you is the interest that you're voting for. And I think maybe it's just about changing people's perspectives about what voting is about and like you know if you're comfortable and saying pretty that's one thing and you can continue to vote for the status quo but maybe you should be thinking more broadly um and i mean that's the ask when people say what kind of world do we want to leave for our children which i mean i've always hated the framing of that yeah um because it is still self-interested and driven it's about legacy and wealth and wealth preservation i think is really the core of that sometimes it's environmental but that's not really i think the ask i think the ask should be like do you want to live in a world where other people suffer as you as you you know you maintain a, a, a certain degree of comfort and like how much do you want to be aiding other people and I think those are that's not how some some people are taught to vote and are, they don't think that way I think that the whole idea of community I hope is coming back um, and what exactly you're saying is an offshoot of this 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 rampant individualism Mm -hmm, exactly and as we've seen that rampant individualism does not leave a good 
it doesn't leave a good citizenry and it doesn't leave a good country mm-hmm. in general. That and it leaves people lonely as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I we cannot. It's true. We either we either rise together, or we fall together. That's basically it. And I think that um, <clears throat> when it comes to white men, um, they have shown themselves in general. Hashtag not all white men. Okay, they've shown themselves to be selfish as fuck. And that selfishness is what I've seen, to be honest, that selfishness has left them in a place that is suboptimal too. not just them, not just not sorry, not just us, as in the rest of us, but themselves too. So I really think we need to rethink our sort of duty as citizens. Mm-hmm. And I, I I'm just tired of these corporate fox telling us. Um, well, uh, like perpetuating the sense of individualism Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is how we must live and that's, or this is the optimal way to live. When's the last time we all had like dinner with our neighbors for, for example, or, or reached out to people. I mean, people are lonely for a reason on an individual level, but at a like national level, that's why we get, um, fucks ending up on the on the cover of McLean's calling them the resistance. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Um, this week at a press conference from the White House um, following the midterm elections, Jim Acosta, CNN's White House correspondent, challenged President Trump by stating, quote, there are hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Uh, this is not an invasion, end quote, referring to the quote-unquote caravan of migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. that Trump had demonized in the run-up to the elections and has not really talked about since. (laughs) Funny how that works. Wow. Um, Trump replied, quote, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. If you did it well, your ratings would be much better. Okay. Um, As Acosta tried to ask another question, a White House intern, a woman, went to grab the mic from him. Pardon me, ma'am, he said, and the next two seconds launched an entire news cycle. Acosta blocked the aide from grabbing the mic. Trump called Acosta rude and a terrible person, apparently in response, and later that day he revoked Acosta's press pass to the White House. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders issued a statement that read, quote, President Trump believes in a free press, and expects and welcomes tough questions of him and his administration. We will, however, never tolerate a reporter placing his hands on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. This conduct is absolutely unacceptable. She then released a video on her Twitter feed of the incident, and there are allegations that it was doctored. So this doctored video um, was used to back up the claim that (laughs) Jim Acosta physically... Was a was physically aggressive towards a female intern, and uh, I think the term they used was karate chopped. <laughs> oh uh, my god! So, so uh, what does this do to the image of the Me Too movement now that we're you know over a year into this whole thing? Okay, wait. Did you watch the video? Yeah, because I watched one, and now I don't know if it was the doctored one or the undoctored <laughs> one. But, <laughs> so. 
<laughs> Which it, is exactly the purpose. But it looked like nothing happened. So like it looked there, like literally like people struggling so over way, a mic. The way I watched one where this guy who was a video editor uh, commented on it. It was like, I've been editing video for whatever, 20 yeah. years. And this is how it's doctored. And he, I guess, had like put overlaid like a, a thing over top of the video that they had that the white house had shared and it was like the red lines are like their normal speed and then right. the, it, it, look they sped it up it, in like so a one looks part like more to look more aggressive yeah um i haven't watched like the full a longer clip just because i can't just <laughs> <laughs> there are things that i can't care about this is like really one of them i can't spend too much time you on chose the video. this topic <laughs> i did <laughs> I had, I had. No, there's, there's a reason. There's I a total, reason. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Um, but, but it, th- regardless, I he think he didn't. It wasn't he nothing. Was, he, he was just like pushing her all the way, but like, no, this is my mic. <laughs> also, like, I feel like the use of in, like, White House intern for, like, also, like, yeah, so many things about interns. But we'll put that aside. The use of an, like, sending a young woman as an intern to take a mic away from a senior CNN correspondent with, like, and then, tr- like, I feel like that was also sort of put on. Like, the whole thing was put on. And who grabs a mic? And, like, that whole thing was a huge debacle. But, like, you know, you're trying to run, like, a press conference. You rarely do them this way. You have so much interest. You start to, he starts, Trump starts his remarks by saying, this is so great. We should do this more often kind of thing. And it's like, you never do this. So like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, then you like, you know, sick poor interns onto like, you know, folks who are just like, so ha- like if they're finally have their shot to be in the room with Trump to like throw these questions at him, like, if you wanted to control the mic, you could have done it a million different ways. You had a roving mic that people had a handle of, and you wanted to make it look like people were hostile towards him. And then in the same week, he made like so- numerous like comments and slurs to other journalists, to black women journalists, saying, you know, like calling them racist, saying that they were stupid. stupid. And I can't remember the third unprofessional unprofessional yeah yeah. um you know he called them fake news he's like said you know that enemy of the people and like so the women abby phillip april ryan and uh yamich alcindor were also like treated like crap by the president like i feel like the whole thing was like an orchestrated circus like the whole interaction you know, because otherwise, if you actually did want to run a clean briefing or a clear press conference, you would not have structured it that way. And it was just an oppor- another staged opportunity for Trump to lob hurdles at journalists. And of course, as usual, target black women and denigrate them in a public space. And now he gets to keep saying it's all fake news and look at how they're attacking me and all of this sort of bullshit. And I think that I think on that le- on that sort of piece like I, I women there's so many thoughts going through my head right now <laughs> women okay at the basis the reason I included this was because I thought that I there is a Republican propensity a propensity of this administration the propensity of the mainstream to to use me to to use women's pain yes, mm-hmm. yes. as straw men Totally. To gaslight everybody. Yep. 
And that is concerning to me. And that's why when I when I reference McLean's, who was doing basically the same thing, except not women, but an anti-Trump resistance to use that to basically gaslight the Canadian public and, you know, to make us believe it's not what it is. And that is concerning to me about how the language is co-opted, how women are co-opted, how women's pain is co-opted just to further the idea that the media is or to plant these seeds that the media is not giving you the true story Mm -hmm. we're giving you the true story Mm -hmm. that's concerning to me totally and that's like and it's happening all over Mm -hmm. and i think that that the denigration of april of of april ryan and and the two other i'm not gonna i think there were three other three other i think there he there, there was there was a was attacking like three four black women in total hmm. right is is another level of that it's a specific sort of 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 targeted abuse yeah. and it is that sort of <laughs> that abuse that women are still going through it is the christy uh the the Blazy Ford, who is also being used as that, you know, like straw man, straw woman, straw person, whatever, to to further this agenda. And we're all talking around it. Mm -hmm. And we're all setting up women as those Jezebels. Again. Yeah, I think that um, Trump's attack on the black reporters who were women just continues to show like his his inherent racism. Like he wouldn't and sexism. He wouldn't say, you know, that's a stupid question. Don't be so dumb to Jim Acosta. He'll call Jim Acosta fake news and say like, oh, mm-hmm. like, well, he, but he clearly yeah, said, the "You're the pers- you go be the boss." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, "You go run CNN, right?" And like, I'll run right. the country, which is very different than making it like personal and yeah, self sexist. You're dumb. You're, like, That's you're a dumb. dumb question. You're you're, you're the one who's racist. Was yeah. the other comment? Like, you know. Also, it- I don't understand how it's racist to <laughs> ask him about him being a nationalist when he literally said, "Call me." a nationalist uh, yeah. like that those are the words that came out of his mouth at a rally i am a nationalist please i don't know why that's a bad thing call me a nationalist i'm a nationalist and then he got asked about and it. then he got asked about it yeah of course you're gonna get fucking asked about it you got you fucking said it hmm. well he doesn't Mm-mm. want me held accountable and he will go through no. great like He's great lengths and lighting theatrics. every single yeah. person exactly everyone exactly and we are all falling for it because we're talking around that issue. The and thing is, is that like, if you're going to ask him a question about him being a nationalist, you got to have the clip. You got to be like, hey, you said this thing. Play clip. What did you mean by that? Oh, but it's still it's, deny it. Sure. But like, you know what? It makes it harder for him to deny. But this is the thing is that th- this is the thing is that he's using this video editing debate to make us think that what we're seeing is not real so that the next time somebody says hey you said this here's the clip he could say oh well that's fake news it was it was doctored 
that's the game. It's to make us not believe what we're seeing, to make us not believe what we're hearing. And and so that he can yeah. create this division and this which creates this chaos and this vacuum where then he can then consolidate power. So then what does that mean for the existence of truth? Oh, well, truth is subjective, Aaron, don't you know? Um, I'm just teasing. Well, I mean, no, we are in a well, post truth I mean, world. I mean, facts <sighs> using as, facts means as, that you're a liberal. As, so, yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's like a that's a that's a fair concern. And I just want to add like i don't know what it means for truth i think we're all fucked um <laughs> i think in ontario especially we've got to be like hyper vigilant you have a fucking provincial government that has their own news fucking yeah. like service now talk about doctored fucking news and uh. videos like they are made like they are hired actors standing in for journalists putting out news through the gut like for and through the government i do have a question about that does anyone read or watch it? Well, n- okay, no. Are you? Okay. Uh, yeah. The well, Real News Network or whatever it's called? I, I don't know. Well, I there's have the not. Toronto Sun, too. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, sure. like the, but one the, of, actual the actual Ford Doug Ford one. one. Oh. I've never, wa- I've never watched it. I assume it's not in my feed, but I a thousand percent know it's in the feeds of other people because that's how these stupid, like, you just set all the right, like, searchable terms and algorithms and, tar- and place targeted ads to a demographic that's already favorable to it. They start liking it. Then suddenly they stop seeing any real news because that's how fucking Facebook works. And all now you're getting all your news from the fucking Doug Ford news machine. And at the same time, you've got organizations like Ontario Proud and all these like other sort of, you know, shill organizations that are like also spreading misinformation, but are stand-ins for political parties. Apparently, Ontario, there's an Ontario Proud, uh, either it's Ontario Proud or an equivalency that's like gearing up for the federal election. No, it is Ontario Proud. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to rebrand or start working outside the province, but that's essentially what's happening. All right, stay tuned for rent and receipts. Now we're moving on to rent and receipts. This is where we uh, each bring something that the others may have missed. Cool. So I want to talk about the new movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. We've been talking um, over the last few months intermittently about different films that are coming out that are hugely influential for representation. And I think Bohemian Rhapsody like had the potential to be that film in terms of like queer representation. I saw it last weekend because I was really eager to see it. And also because I really love Rami Malek, which is another representation point for me that I really wanted to check off. Mm. And I will say he was amazing. Like his performance was just like next level like entrancing like it was just really good the film overall was fun um but it had so many issues like glaring issues and i've been trying to read as many folks writing about this and like critiques of the film by which i mean like queer people's like reviews of the film because you may not be hearing these reviews or you may not be getting this take about bohemian rhapsody like going in i knew that had bad reviews from certain critics but i didn't really know what to make of that and like this is the film that had like lost its director brian singer because of a me too scandal and among like his other like weird behavior apparently on set so it definitely suffered from lack of directorial direction. There were also issues with Queen and how, like, you know, two of the 
band members from Queen were producers on the film and wanted the film to be more about the band than necessarily about AIDS and about Freddie Mercury's, um, you know, queer identity. And and so I kind of knew that going in, but it was it's shocking. And then going back and reading some of the true history of what happened has been really eye opening. So one article that I would point people to CBC Arts section has a point of view open letter um, from uh, Peter um, Knet or Knet. I can't pronounce. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, uh, who write who's uh, a uh, it's actually in their queries weekly column where he writes about LGBT, LGBTQ plus arts and culture. And the review is really, um, I think, important. The film without like spoiling. It's funny to be like, I'm going to spoil this biopic for you. But because the film itself also isn't like true to life, you will be like, if you know anything about Freddie Mercury's life, there will be plot turns because the movie rewrites whole sections of his life okay no spoilers because i'm seeing it this weekend i won't i won't get too far into it but like it absolutely like obscures his identity it really like goes out of its way to sort of demonize um gay culture they pretty much don't show you because it's pg-13 they wanted to attract the widest audience so there's no which is like a huge detriment and it's not to say that has to be rated r for it to actually deal with queer issues but like there are scenes where you see him like looking like drugged up and like kind of fucked up going into like you know uh gay like being in gay clubs like clearly doing a lot of drugs and then like the next day and then it like kind of pans out the next day he's like coughing up blood and that's all you know about his like AIDS diagnosis and like oh, it's I just like really really and it's like oh look his descent into gayness led to him like ha- becoming HIV positive you know and oh. then when he cleans his life up he like stops drinking drugs he stops hanging out with his like the gay folks that were in his life without saying too much about what that dynamic is like because that is a plot point um and then like gets into like a traditional steady relationship with with his the man who would become his partner until he died in in real life but they treat it as if like you know everything that like everything in terms of having a good proper normal life was where he needed to be and that you know being queer and living a queer experience was the cause of his downfall essentially. I, I hear what you're saying yeah it's like I, yeah it's, I, i'm trying to say it without like betraying the like the film spoilers for for no, aaron so but it's very much like those queer tropes where they're like oh well gay men are just like slutty and, well that like, like sleeping around and like the it. only thing that will cure them is like and what's like really frustrating is like that there's so much that would have been really interesting to like look at in this movie because I definitely left like even before reading any of these reviews which I read after I saw it I was just like oh I wonder like what his act like what because it was all montages like it was like the film was made up a lot of different montages I'm like oh I wonder what it was like in that scene I wonder if he knew people who had already got like even just in terms of like the perspective on AIDS like what like did he like know other people who had AIDS and it turns out like yeah he did and there were there was like obviously it was a huge crisis and it treats it as if like it's just like a disease he got and was ashamed of and like we never talk about it and like that may partially be true but I guarantee you there were conversations with the people in like the like gay community at the time about what was happening do you mean and just even like what he meant to gay culture and like as an artist none of that you know oh. like it just a, a huge focus on the woman that he was initially dating and is his best friend and she um 
is like this huge supportive figure, but there was so much more about their relationship than about any of his other relationships. In fact, there's very little about that. And the people he's with are completely demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just so disheartening because, I mean, Freddie Mercury is like just such an icon. And I think like that's pretty, he deserves a much better film in light of all that. If you if you want it to be a film about Queen and and like the music of Queen, that part was great. Like people were singing along, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think, well, I think that the, there is a bit of a misconception. I think that people think on the one hand, it's a, it is a biopic, but it's more, I think supposed to be a movie about queen. I, yeah. But then when you watch it, it is following his life. Like all the turning points of the film turn on Freddie. They are not about, yeah. you never see, like, at one point, Brian suddenly has a wife, and his wife is there, and they, she doesn't like Freddie, and they, like, ditch a party early, and, like, you know, or, like, someone else in the band's always, like, having affairs, and they just make an offhand comment, but you never yeah. see their stories. It's always I, about Freddie and his growing up, Freddie being, uh, racial, like, being called a packy wherever he went, Fre- like, Freddie jo- joining the band. Like, it's all of the plot points are about Freddie Mercury. So... In a, let's say that there is a biopic about Anthony Kiedis and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I guess if someone wants to make that, sure. But like, <laughs> let's, but like, let's imagine. Let's, let's, like, let's say that that's a, like a I, thing. T- wouldn't the same thing happen? Like, wouldn't most of the stuff kind of hinge on Anthony Kiedis and not necessarily the other band members? If it's a proper film about the band, it could be about all four. Sure. And I like, think and fans I think, would want that. Yeah, and I will say that, like, I think like flea is you know a much more yeah. autonomous person than like yeah. a lot of other members of a band like the like let's say also the foo fighters like i don't fucking know any of the other foo fighters except dave Grohl. sure i barely know him sure <laughs> but wow. like that i guess that but that well, gets away from a personality that gets away from the point though because the movie does address the fact that he got aids and it does address his queer identity and it does it in such a bad way and like it was clear, like going into it, that there were people in the theater who probably didn't even know Freddie Mercury was gay, or or he actually says he's bi, and the movie has rewritten him to be gay, and it actually says you don't and like you know his partner says, oh no, Freddie, you're gay, you're not bi, and although he he maintained up until he died that he was a bisexual, so that's fucking bullshit. Well, listen, there's a lot of biphobia around. No, there. no, I know, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like the f- it's not just the film could have done better or been more representative. It is actually that it is harmful and there were people in the audience for whom this was probably their first exposure to a f- to this story or to stories about gay people or or aids for certain for a young generation some of us have not seen or talked about aids and don't know what it was like and this is all you get about it like that's fucked yeah anyway that's that's my rant it's not re- i'm not really my rant kind of regret giving money to the movie but also i still really enjoyed it so i kind of hate myself <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. It's a top grossing um like gay film since Birdcage. I think it surpassed Birdcage. Right. It's just like a, like it's huge at this point. So basically Hollywood still doesn't know how to tell queer stories. Yep. Yeah. Particularly when they're not like like little films. Because like Moonlight yeah. or yeah. Call Me By Your Name. Or yeah. Whatever. yeah. 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 
Well, because you can't expose people watching PG-13 movies to proper gay... Co- like, that's essentially what yeah. they... The excuse... That's not... I'm not saying that. That's the sure. excuse that they've been putting out as a response to why they didn't delve into that stuff. Yeah. Um, similarly, in a similar note vein, um, I read a book, a young adult novel, uh, The Hate You Give, and they made it into a film, and it was released recently. I heard and about that. I want to watch this movie so badly yeah me too i read the book and i sobbed the entire way through the book and i don't cry very often and so i wanted to go see it and i went to go look up the movie times when it was released and it was playing in fucking only canada and Orleans now it's not even anywhere but orleans right now yeah so it even stopped so like, playing at those i places. don't even have a car so how am i gonna get out there oh uh, that's terrible Lansdowne, get your fucking shit together. But don't worry. This week we've got 14 different theaters with like holiday movies. It's fine. Fuck those holiday movies, okay? Can I get over Remembrance Day? Can I get past that shit? Why are we starting holidays so early? I'm so fucking sick of it. You know how many holiday parties started popping up? Come join our holiday party at the end of fucking November. Fuck you. (laughs) Well, cool. Um, So I'm going to go next then. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk about. uh, Sorry, that's been building apparently. Listen, it's the same. Uh, I want to talk about um, something that I saw on Twitter and then saw something on the Huffington Post or the Huff Post. Sorry, Huff Post. Um, Wait, it's not the Huffington Post. It's the Huff Post. Yeah. Okay, this is... That's okay. what it's called. It's called Huff Post. And not... Um, okay. Where have you been? I don't know. I just... Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so kind of following up on Megan Kelly and her idiocy about being like oh blackface is okay kind of maybe um there are a lot of fucking influencers white influencers on instagram who are well blackface and the shit out of everything uh they are putting so much fucking makeup on their white faces that is many shades darker than their original skin tones to basically pretend to be black and then they take photos and they braid their hair and they style it in ways that black people style it and uh people think that they're black and now they're being outed as actually being white (laughs) the fucking wildest thing to me um some people are actually just like well actually i don't you know pretend to be black i just go tanning so that my skin is so dark that i almost look black and then continue to style my body my clothes and my hair like a black person would and uh but anyway the problem is that like well i mean many things okay, I was <laughs> many things do tell many things the problem one is that people thinking that black face is okay two not realizing that Putting makeup on and it not being in a caricature format in, you know, as people would do for Halloween is still blackface. Mm -hmm. Um, Two or sorry, three, I think we're at. I don't know. Um, Like they still have white features. They're still able to they don't understand that. They are putting on a mask and like exoticizing something that is just not theirs and it's 
so fucking racist but for like these people are like getting money from companies to use their products and these companies are continuing to support this racist bullshit um i i don't know erica i know you have thoughts i mm, mm. <sighs> okay where where to start there's one speaking of companies there's one sorry mm. there's one girl called alicia underscore a b on instagram who posts a photo like a side by side there's a side by side photos of her in one photo she is skinny little white girl the next one no she has i don't know put on pads on her ass oh my gosh i'm looking at this right now oh my god oh my it is unreal it's like she's put on an absolute costume it's like she's She's in like Big Mama's house or something like because that's her impression of blackness. Yeah, that's what she thinks blackness is. Mm. Mm. Um, they call it N-word fishing. You can say it. Oh, yeah. They call it nigger fishing. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I'm like, how can this stop me from saying words you already say on this <laughs> podcast? I don't know why I'm being all of a sudden like, you know, coy with this shit. Anyway, so they call it nigger fishing, and um, it's it's conceiving of blackness as a caricature, which is a whole new minstrel show. It really is the 21st century minstrel show, and if you don't know what a minstrel show is, I suggest you look it up. It's on Wikipedia. It's very accessible, and so <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to tell you because I don't want to take up time doing that. Um. It is basically Rachel Dolezal on like steroids. And this is this is the other problem is that companies. I remember a story in I feel like Amy's chomping at the bit right now. No, I'm good. Uh, oh, <laughs> I thought you were about to say something. I was like, I'm like, I'll keep it short because I've no, said no, a no. lot of this. Um, um, uh, what, who was it? Which cosmetic? Becca Con. Becca Cosmetics. So Becca Cosmetics, the Australia cosmetic brand that's known for its its highlighter, among other things, um, tried to show, demonstrate that their line was so inclusive that they hired a white actress and uh, painted no, no, no. her hand dark to quote-unquote show their range of skin tones instead of hiring an actual black model so these people are making money off of their caricature of what they think blackness is and companies are paying them to showcase either to showcase their products to fool people into thinking that blackness is um what they perceive it to be but the thing is it's only ever light-skinned like that's because they're yeah. white people they can't go like dark they have to go light-skinned which is what the white people think is attractive yeah is that the one where the model the inside of yes. her palm was painted yeah in? and we're like are we're in, like no, no one's no hand one. looks <laughs> like, like that <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was the same shade of black on the top yeah. of her hand as it was at, on the palm yes. of her hand yes and we're like that shit is fake <laughs> 
Talk about a doctored video. <laughs> exactly. Again, it goes back to that seeing is believing issue in the post-truth world. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, they'll what do they what do they call it? Um swagger jacking. So they'll swagger jack. Yeah, that's in the urban dictionary. Swagger that swagger jacking is a thing. It's it's the Norm Kelly sort of 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 use of what they think blackness is to get more shine or to be rebellious or to to I don't even know what they're doing right now, to be honest. But basically, here's what the problem is, people. Besides the historical content of minstrel shows that has perpetuated stereotypes that Donald Trump then uses to lambast um, black journalists. So the whole idea of being unprofessional, lazy, and stupid comes from minstrel shows that use blackface to perpetuate an image of black people as subhuman and sub suboptimal human and othering and less than whites. Um, besides that, People are making money off of something that is inherent to others. And they're doing it within the context of whiteness and what whiteness thinks that black people are. And um, which is in itself a caricature, which goes back to the whole bloody historical problem in the first place. On top of that, black people are, I mean, white people are using blackness as a costume to mm -hmm. mock and to denigrate. And it doesn't matter how down you think you are, it's not acceptable. That is the fucking point. Okay, I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you haven't seen any of those... Uh, Shocking. Those photos on uh, Instagram or on Twitter, I suggest you... Uh, Look them up. Um, Juana's World on Twitter has a thread about it. So check them out. And HuffPost has a story about it. So does The Root. Actually. <laughs> um, so my rent and receipts is RBG. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is, whose health, I swear, is the most watched <laughs> in this world because if she dies we are looking at another trump pick for supreme court let's just let's just remember that okay so rbg or the notorious rbg who at 85 is the oldest member of the u.s supreme court fell this week while working in her office on wednesday night she went home but experienced some discomfort and checked herself into the George Washington University Hospital early on Thursday morning. Tests revealed that she had fractured three ribs on her left side. But before her discharge, Ginsburg was already up and working from her hospital room. Um, and the response has been quite uniform. Hailing her as a superhero for being back at work within 24 hours of breaking her ribs. I am going to posit the unpopular opinion that this is bullshit. And I'll <laughs> say this why. It's a burden that women face to 
be super women to be considered as um, professional, as adequate, as equal to a man. And what I do not like is that women themselves perpetuate it. So Rosemary Barton, who is an anchor on CBC's The National, um, basically quote tweeted this news that she was up and working after breaking her ribs with um, with like a swole arm. So the um, the, the flexed arm emoji and Catherine McKenna then retweeted it as though it was some great feat that she has Catherine McKenna of run like a girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. That Catherine McKenna Our run MP like a girl. in Ottawa. Yeah. The environment minister who uh, anyway. Um, so here's my problem. My problem is that I think I already said my problem, but it is that women are supposed to to project the idea of strength is not taking care of yourself and not taking care of your health as an 85 year old woman yeah it's about taking care of other people yeah and and doing service right which actually all this shit is fucking ableist like by the way like yeah and it's the same thing with Sheryl Sandberg going back to work after having twins and Ivanka Trump going back to work after having a baby and like within weeks or days Mm -hmm. Yeah, like somehow that makes you as competent as a man if you self-sacrifice for the greater good, which just perpetuates this idea that women are everybody's, are men's mules. And this is my problem. And there's especially women of a certain generation, baby boomers and Gen X women, who love to perpetuate this Mm -hmm. bullshit. And it's this perpetuation that these women do And it makes me wonder how they run their professional offices, to be honest. So what? You can't take a sick day anymore? Like, that's what the fuck we have them for. I mean, okay, And the whole over-the-counter drug industry is exactly that. It is there to make you limp along so that you could be of service to other people so that you can just pass, like, the physical impediments to your health being mm-hmm. under the weather that's my problem hey yeah another fucking mic drop killing it this week I'm killing it like, <laughs> I, I'm nothing this, to, nothing to add to that but i really building up. i'm really feeling this lately yeah it's a great yeah a great rant yeah it's it's terrible it's terrible how the fuck do you run your offices women well, yeah, and then, like, it's also very selfish, particularly, like, as we get into cold and flu season, if you're like, oh, like, I'm not feeling very well, but I'll come into the office anyway. <laughs> um, maybe don't. <laughs> Stay the fuck home. I, I think, don't. yeah, it's really unfortunate that we've shamed people into thinking that using sick leave and, like, taking care of yourself is something to be ashamed of. It all goes back to capitalism and productivity and having to show your value. Exactly. And the thing you is, know, like, we fought for fucking sick leave. We fought for weekends. We fought for other forms of leave, family leave, like, fucking, you know, we're not out here, like, 
advocating for that stuff so it can sit in your bank and you don't use it and you yeah. walk around getting sicker and getting more ill and getting and then, other people sick. and getting other people sick and then those of us with chronic illnesses who do happen to be sick all the time are considered to be less valuable because we actually have to use our sick leave like you know if the standard is like Ruth Bader Ginsburg working until she is like a hundred and like never taking a sick day even when she breaks the rib like who like what is someone who wants a career in as a judge or whatever in terms of seeking an appointment if they're living with a disability and have different needs like it's just like such an like ridiculous like add a barrier to set that to set that standard when it's completely unnecessary to do so and that's exactly it and that's where the ableism part comes in right Mm. is that is that anybody who cannot who needs to take time out of the day, out of their lives to take care of themselves, whether it's a doc, anything from a doctor's appointment to surgery to like people who have surgery and then come back within a week. Fuck you. Mm. Okay. Unless like you really, unless you really have to, like, unless you're working like in a service industry job and you're kind of forced to do that. I get that. Okay. Because you may not have the paid leave. You may not have the benefits. Well, especially I, in Ontario now. Yeah. It, well, there you go. And that's why this shit matters. And the that's the bigger issue is that we get used to this being the standard. And then we vote for politicians that take away our leave mm-hmm. because we don't fucking need it because we're super, super people. Yeah. And let me just a uh, little reality check. No one is that important that they can can't miss a day of work she's that's got the thing clerk she's got like fucking like hey if there's a f- opening and it's a clerk in like fucking ginsburg's office like sign me the fuck up i'll take up some of the slack but it's not like she has to be in she can vote and ha- like work on like i'm sure she has drafts in the you know i don't think she went to go to a hearing last week when she bounced back from her broken ribs no she was at home she working. was at home working yeah like i don't know i think partly though a little bit to her credit is wanting to appear to be back to yes. work for the sake of everybody who was offering up their fucking rib Bodies. cages to her <laughs> and skeletons. A lot of good memes. Yeah. But I think <laughs> like, I don't think that does away with your point, Erica, which is like, even no. if that is what she meant was to assure people, she could have said that in a way that like, doesn't like make it like set this impossible standard Yeah, mm-hmm. where she says, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I, and I'm, I, and I will be back to work when I'm ready. I'm going to take some time to heal because, you know, that's important. And but, you know, I'm not I'm not now stepping away or whatever she needs yeah. to say. I just hate and I hate that women in positions of power with clout, with platforms are perpetuating this impossible standard. Yeah. Anyway, so that does it. Um, we'll be back later with misogynist of the week. But uh, check us out on social media. We are on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy. We are on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. We are on Facebook slash Bad and B Podcast. And email us, Bad and B Pod at gmail.com. Bye. We've had me too. Now we have this dumb fuck, Doug Ford. Already he is changing Ontario for the worst, reverting the sex ed curriculum to a time when Napster was all the rage. He canceled increased education on indigenous issues in schools. What the fuck's next? Birthdays? He needs to be stopped and we need to move beyond awareness. 
We need fucking action. So support the work being done by us, your resident feminist diehard bitches for initiatives like Orders Up, our clapback against the restaurant industry's culture of sexual harassment and support a podcast that has your feminist back. Check us out at patreon.com slash bad and bitchy to support independent intersectional feminist media as we form the resistance against Doug Ford. Stay woke. Stay bitchy.